we must be intentional about training men so that their mental strength rather is amplified. What they call toxic masculinity is really what we really need to decide today. A knife as an instrument is not bad. It's only how it is used that determines if it's bad or good. The masculine trait in itself is not toxic, but it's only when it's dealt by an immature individual who is still struggling with a sense of insecurity and then has to bring others down just so you can feel important. That is when it's toxic. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Praise Arrow podcast. My guest today is Paul Cast. He is the creative director of Paul Cast Studios, which is a media production company with a focus on helping people live better lives through excellently illustrated stories. He is a movie director, screenwriter, and an executive producer. He graduated from Covenant University with a desire to use his knowledge of psychology in the creative space. He is also the author of the bestseller, How to Be a Man in a Crazy World, which is a comprehensive book on men and masculinity. He is the founder of Heroes Network, an annual men's forum with a record of over a thousand young men who have been mentored to discover their purpose and live more meaningful lives. Paul has spoken on various platforms ranging from corporate organizations to schools and churches, and now it is my absolute honor to have him on today. Hello, Paul, and thank you so much for making it. Thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a delightful pleasure. Thank you for having me. Right. Um, I think we can start off by hearing a little bit about your story and what prompted you to write this book. Very interesting book, by the way. I learned so much just by reading about it. I've learned about men and how men think and also some common misconceptions that people tend to have about men. So how did you get to that point where you decided that this was an important book to write? Okay. Uh, fun fact. First of all, I never ever thought about Never planned to be a, a writer ever. I'd never had it in my mind to write a book, let alone write a book. <laughs> it was never something I thought about or dreamed about, dreamed of rather. Um, so that it came out of a need. Um, for a while, when I was in school, I uh, made a lot of observations. The fact that there were so many avenues available for women to be mentored, groomed, uh, women conferences, there were women outlets. And, Often you see ladies get together and they have conversations around very important issues that affected the woman, uh, you know, from physical health to reproductive health to spiritual growth and all of that kind of stuff, even career conversations as well. But there was almost nothing available for men. In fact, you notice, I, I didn't even know that there was such a thing as Men's International Day, International Day of the Man, or whatever it is called, until 2019. Imagine how and it's interesting that must be but you always have the women's day at about at least five different women's day mother's day, day. yeah <laughs> it's like crazy <laughs> you have mother's day several mother's day women's day girl's day girl child day I didn't, I didn't even know there was something as international men's day so um so i saw that you know the the average man was expected to figure it out you know there were not been for mentorship uh, for training of the man, telling the man what really what being a man really was all about. So most men had to experiment, you know, experiment and do a lot of, <clears throat> lots of uh, make a lot of mistakes along the way. And so this man does not have an idea of what it means to be a man. He's going to be a father someday, and so he's just you know. And people had ideas as to what men were going through. And, they tried to explain what it was. And 95% of materials written about men, written by women, interestingly, 
so I uh, I kept asking the question, what what is available out there for men? And I, you know, almost didn't find any answer. I also had personal struggles to have as a young man, because you have a lot of questions that you want answers to, and you don't necessarily have avenues to have that. Just, just responded to. So I would I would go to some men I respected. I was like, you know, um, I see you do this and do that, and it's phenomenal. I see how you raise your family. I see how you, you know, you go about your life and all that. I want to be mentored in that, in that area because uh, I didn't really have that opportunity with my dad because my dad, um, you know, for many years, uh, you know, you know, we've not been together for a long time. So and people often trivialized how they trivialized the, the role of a father mentoring a young man. It's, it's really, really very important. So I want I wanted male figures I could look up to. So I would I would literally meet a man and tell them, you know, I look up to you, sir, and I want to be mentored by you. I don't mind I don't mind having to, you know, do many out things for you, like you know, washing your car, washing your clothes, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I just want to have my mind um in a way exposed to the right because I had I had a uh, you know, a compromised uh, perspective on how to see the world, how to see women, how to see life, what to expect and you know, how to channel my energy into what is right what is wrong so i needed that exposure that made me kind of like you know go asking questions but almost all of them were like busy i couldn't blame them because they had their family to cater for they had responsibilities to cater for you know so you couldn't then blame them for not wanting to have the time so uh that be- that necessitated the need to create um, an avenue or for us to have an avenue where these issues can be taken and brought to the fore so that made me uh, I've always been someone that whenever I don't see an opportunity, I like to create that new opportunity. I don't, it doesn't matter if I don't have the experience, if I don't have the resources, whatever it is, I'll just go out and get, get it done. So when I didn't see that avenue, I just told, spoke to some friends of mine and said, you know what, we don't have an avenue for men, let's create one. And so we had, began to have meetings and then we had our first Heroes Forum and we had about 400 young men show up. <laughs> it was, it was amazing. The whole place, like it was up to the gallery. Oh. People were there, only only men. And and did just, you expect that? Only, once only men, available, not women. You know, come again. Did you expect that turnout? You know, of of four hundred men when you were applying the whole thing. One, it was a funny story. <laughs> we only in my school, we only made, we only printed one poster, literally one poster. Wow. One. <laughs> Because we had had, we had had, you know, when, when you have an idea at the beginning, people are excited about, let's get it done, let's get it done. But when it comes to me, getting it done, actually, a lot of times they withdraw and all the you new know, stuff happen. And I, I don't blame them because people don't, people don't, people don't really follow a vision, they follow results. I learned that from, from the, from there and, you know, from the very beginning. So you as the, the visionary, you see, it is your job to see the vision, to communicate the vision, but don't always expect loyalty to the vision at the beginning. Or to prove that the vision has merit, it has results. So yes. I knew I had to, you know, get my hands to the mods and, and get working. So it would, we plan, we had planned to go to do ad campaigns, go from you know from hostel to hostel, telling your man your wife she's part of this. So we had had all those plans, but when it came to really getting it done, nobody showed up. I think no, now my team members showed up to help out. So I took it upon myself to you know uh, work on everything myself and just one of my well, just one of my friends who would stay up all night making phone calls and all that kind of stuff. So the day of the event, I literally walked up to the venue and it was it was quite a quite a big venue. And I just walked in there. The hall was locked. <laughs> I didn't know what to expect. 
and we only we only had advertised it once, once to the whole school once, and then only one poster was out. So I expected blatant failure. <laughs> That's what I expected. I expected a terrible, terrible. Maybe like one or maybe like three or four people. If God had mercy, and only five people to show up <laughs> in that whole auditorium. But when we got there, uh, it was start by three o'clock. I got in there by one, and I just stayed there. I just sat down. Yeah, Man, I don't know what's going to happen today. Then by two thirty, somebody one person showed up. Before you know, he said, "What well, wants to help with the ushering?" Showed up, and then before you know, by three thirty, the whole place showed up. It's like okay, <laughs> so, <laughs> it was like a dream. I like, wow, I said like a dream. I couldn't believe my eyes. And so we're actually doing this. Wow. <laughs> so, and we we planned to spend about three hours there, according to our plan, our program, our routine, conversation. But we spent about five and a half hours in mm. there because the guys didn't want to go. It was an avenue for vulnerability. There's so many questions that were brought to the fore to make things at a point because we were having things recorded on camera. I had to tell anyone, cut the camera. Let's let's have guys be vulnerable. So some of the guys were amazing. Some were crying in the rooms or getting so emotional because these were things they wish they could talk about, pressing issues that nobody was, you know willing to bring to the fore. So that's what inspired when I after I'd seen that happen, I suddenly need to continue doing this. So I woke up and Jenny woke up one morning and I heard the words in heart, how to be a man in the crazy world. And I just started putting pen to paper because right, that was how the book is about. Uh, it was never an intentional movement. It was something that happened along the way. <laughs> so going forward. So that's how the, the whole idea for the material came out. That's lovely. And you mentioned something while you were talking. You, you talked about um, not having that clear example of um, a father figure in your life and how you try to seek that out for yourself. So in your your work so far, talking with men, talking with you know older men, the different figures in your life, what have you, and I know you also talked about it in the book, I wanted us to highlight more about the role of fathers in the lives of men. And if possibly in the lives of women, you know, that's not the focus of the book, but if you know a little bit about that, you could also highlight that as well, what you think is the role of fathers in general. Fathers are very, very important. Very, very important. I mean, I love my mother to death. I love my mother. Mothers are phenomenal. Mothers are so important. But the role of a father is so, so important. Not necessarily because of the parenting role exactly, but because a father is the first is the first uh, introduction to what um, the expectation of the male role really is. Yeah. I say this all the time. Uh, why is it important to have both the, the father and mother? Is this. A mother provides unconditional love for children, but the father needs to produce, provide conditional love. The, the boy, actually, the son, actually, the boy, needs both the unconditional love of his mother and the conditional love of his father. This is what I mean by that. Now, a mother can love you whether you whether you do right or do wrong. She's in class, still at still a, yeah, still a, yeah, still her daughter. I mean her son rather. Um she she would always have a little you know overlap, all of that. But for the but for the father, he brings the balance of you having to earn certain things. Like certain things you don't you're not gonna just sit on your couch and just expect things to fall in your lap as a man. You'll have to get out there and get things done. And so it, it brings that because a lot of times people are, are pushed to one extreme. Like 
when you get when you are only exposed to unconditional love and don't have the balance of expectations, you tend to expect the whole world to be that way. So you you, yeah. you go you 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 go get on a job because the job is difficult. They don't pamper you. They don't uh, they don't butter you up, tap you on the back all the time. You just feel like they are treated that very unfair. So you want to quit. Then also, there's another extreme of of being too uh, driven towards the you know expectation of performance all the time that you don't have the balance of, of you know of showing grace to yourself and all that, all that kind of stuff. So, in fact, the stats are, the stat is very clear: um, fatherless children have a higher tendency of of being incarcerated in prisons or being inmates in prisons. Fatherless children. Uh, Young men have the highest dropout rates in school, highest um, health risk, highest uh, possibility of falling into drugs and you know all kinds of vices. And mainly, those vices are simply the are simply responses to a vacuum that's there, which is supposed to be being filled up by the father. So, um, absentee um, father, father abstinence is such a brutal thing because. Which even for the even for the girl as well, the, the highest the highest uh, pregnancy cases, teenage pregnancy cases are a result of adolescence for girls. Um, so um, people tend to tilt towards because it's, there's something about a young man, even a young lady as well, that desires the love of a male figure, and that's what the father provides. The affirmation she needs needs to be told that she's beautiful, she's a queen, and all that kind of stuff. And like it or not, she is. That's what the father is supposed to provide for her coming up. And when that is not available, she often would want to trade, trade, have, you know, compromise just to get that affirmation. And then she falls into the wrong hand by going, you know, you meet a male figure out there and he wants your body just just so he can, you know, he gives you what you think you need. He gives you love, quotes, affirming your word yeah. and taking something else in return. So you want what he gives you. You want the affirmation. And so you give something else. That's your you know, compromise your dignity for that for that purpose. So that's why, you know, having a father is so important. The father is that introduction of what it means. I say this all the time, sons are like mirror. You know, sons are like mirror. Whatever you show in front of them is what is what they reflect back to you. So if he's shown irresponsibility, that's what they reflect back. And if he's shown responsibility and dignity, that's what it reflects back. You know, um I had I had a woman one time read my book. She was, uh, she was, she had a, she had had children in her sixties, and then she had a son, which she had uh, groomed for many years, and then she was divorced from her husband. And so, for because of how how pain she was about what he had done to her, he she wanted to keep the boy away from from him because she felt it was going to be a bad influence on, on the son. But in my book, I mentioned the fact that a man may not have been a good husband doesn't mean he can't be a good father. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, and every every son needs their father. And so when she read that, she broke into tears because um, for years she had kept the man away from the son. And then the son began to develop some kind of weirdness about his social interaction and all that. He just didn't know how to manage relationships. And so he blamed her for that because he, he did not have that opportunity of seeing that in their father because she kept keeping him away from 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 him you know so um so father rule is so in fact when people talk about all kinds there's so so many social constructs that are brought to the fore but if you look at it fundamentally 
you look at the core of the motivation behind some of these things is due to the lack of fat of or rather the or it is due to father absence <clears throat> basically so a lot of things are like it's really the stats are really glaring in fact we see the video i made you to see um how like three times uh, kids who actually uh, have, have have do not have their fathers are three times more likely to commit suicide they're 70 times more likely to end up in prison even though some have ended up incredibly well <clears throat> and done phenomenal things with their life like for example Obama, for instance did not have his father around but that chance is usually very slim and it's more difficult. It's a lot more difficult. It takes a lot more intentionality and having to rewire your brain again, your mind to, um, you know, to see what you need to do, take responsibility for yourself. But you, we cannot, we cannot uh, take out the importance of fathers in the world when it comes to raising um, children, but the boy and the girl. Okay, so since we're talking about fathers, um, by the way, I love I love how you highlight that fathers are mirrors because many people, especially these days where there are lots of single parent homes, you know, a lot of mothers raising kids on their own, people tend to say, people tend to celebrate those mothers, and it's not like they should not be celebrated. They're doing amazing. I know how, I know it's it's difficult. Not that I know how it feels because I haven't been there, but I know it's difficult to raise a child on your own it's a very crazy experience and yes they should be celebrated but people confuse celebrating the people with celebrating the idea of you know single parent homes that people forget that this is actually not healthy and there will be a lasting effects on the child that you can actually see and that's why the stats that you mentioned are very important because when you start talking with people they might say oh this person just had one parent they turned out fine but it's good to look at things objectively how is this playing out in the real world and yeah i i really appreciate that you highlighted that so since we're talking about fathers let's talk a little bit about the patriarchy so in the book you highlighted how the world has changed following the world war and how we got to this point where everyone is is um how we got to this point where everyone is trying to say okay you know men and women are equal in the home the roles are the same and uh, i'm i'm not i'm not talking about being equal as human beings of course we're equal as human beings but then you know people are saying roles should be equal in the home there's absolutely no difference and i want to know why you think the patriarchy lasted for so long you know what <laughs> Just talk about your general ideas on that period versus this period and what the transition we've gone through, the effects, all of those things. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's very interesting because uh, this is even an issue <laughs> in the first place. That's very interesting because uh, fundamentally, I, I often hear that argument all the time, you know, uh, men and women should be equal in the home and all that stuff. All that stuff. And um, I, I get where they're coming from because usually, if you, if you have studied history, you realize that uh, when there's been a narrative that has gone for so long that and makes people feel like minority, when they often are able to have some level of liberation, they tilt to the other extreme. Uh, yeah, see with racism, feminism movement, that all that all came out of um, disgruntled um, sense of uh, that unsettlement. And so on, we, you know, uh, cases in the past. But even that, even that was not accurately, accurately um, communicated and portrayed. If you, if you really studied, like I had this argument, we had a debate one time 
I was part of a debate nationality one time, and they talked about feminism. And I began to dig into the history of feminism. I realized that actually, um, it wasn't what we are saying now. We're not having the same conversation, actually. Um, so, um, and a lot of times, people people make inferences based on inaccurate information about, you know, so I call it self-imposed victimization sometimes. Yes, it was true. I'm not, I'm not saying how that it wasn't true that we had those cases in the past, but we had taken it to our extreme. When it comes to the home, it's clear. I think I had a story one time about a woman who was saying that she was equal with her husband. And so she came home one time and then uh, <laughs> and then uh, I think by 3 a.m. there was a knock on the door, you know, heavy knock on the door by robbers. And then she said, ah, husband should go go check it out. And he was like, I thought, man, I remember what they said. You go check it out. <laughs> you know, so a lot of time it's as a result of hurts that people have had in the past. They've had and instead of actually seeking therapy and seeking some healing, they 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 respond to hurt by uh, tightening their fists, you know, communicating strength. And strength is often seen, you know, they communicate as you know more aggressive, more tough, and all that kind of stuff. A strong woman by being more angry, by being more resilient. In fact, one time I I uh, I went for an event, we met event one time, and the amazing brilliant professor she was talking and I was, I was really mesmerized by the whole idea by what she was talking about so after the event i went up to her and said that was an incredible presentation that was phenomenal and then i kind of like introduced myself to her and then i offered to share two bags with her you know one heavy bag she was holding and then I, you know normal ladies bag she was holding then i offered to help her with a big bag she was holding it was a laptop bag or something it was, it was kind of bulging then she said don't do that and i said uh, don't do what she was like. Don't carry my bag. And I said, why not? She said, you tra- don't you know when you carry woman's bag, uh, you're trying to make her feel second place. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I was I was reeducated right there. But a lot of times it's actually it's actually as a result of hurt, as a result of issues they've gone through in the past, maybe from wrong relationships and you know wrong uh, or let's say even seeing their parents as well, maybe father absence or trauma from their childhood. And so they project this as them being strong, women of strong people by wanting equality in the home. But even that is not even possible because biologically speaking, we are different. Now, it, you know, inequality is not, is not that uh, we, it's not that you are second place to me or you're on them per se, but it's just that we have different roles, you know, in the body, a head has to be a head, the neck has to be a neck. It doesn't mean that the head is superior to the neck. If I take off my neck, the head is useless. If I take off other parts of my body, it's useless. So it's not necessarily referring to um, the level of, is if you're, in, if, you're in, in, if you're part of a military, uh, if you're part of um, a squad, you need to have a leader who, who's going to keep, give commands. If you don't have a leader, and everybody is a leader, <laughs> we're all going to go in different directions. So it's about functionality. And uh, if you are wanting to be married, I tell some people all the time that if you don't want, if you feel you can't handle the responsibility of having a role, you know, just don't get married. You know, be single, be your be your own woman and all that kind of stuff. Be your own person, you know. But if you're going to marry someone, you have to marry someone that you know you can respect, someone you know you, you can actually count your leadership. You're part of a, a community. You want to be sure you, you're part of a community. Come where you can respect leadership that's there. It doesn't mean that you are 
subservient just simply means in functionality, someone has to take the role of, of leading. And so it's, that's the narrative that's really me going out. And it's really, really, a lot of people are victims of it. Um, so I, I will mention this popular figure um, that said, you know, she's not marrying kind. You know, she's not strands of man, that kind of stuff. But popular, you know, TV, television figure, I, I, I say this, you know, you don't, as a person, you don't pass in your life after someone that you only see on the screen. Yeah. Because you don't know what happens off camera. People who, are, who, have, who show up on the screen, they, a lot of times the shows are scripted. They are trained to be communicators to, you know, to not to really mask their emotions and then show you what is presented on camera. And then you now, from your own house and your own village and your own place, you want to now pattern your life after someone you're only seeing on the screen. And it happens that this lady that you're talking about happens to be in the, to have a man in her life, but she's just not married, you know, to the person. And then you don't know what happens in, in her bedroom when she's with on her pillow, how often she cries, you know, and all that. It's really difficult to, you know, pe- we celebrate isolation, you know, just I'm my own person, I'm my own whatever. We celebrate it, but we don't really understand how difficult it really can be to be older. And to be when you're young, when you're young, you have all the strengths in the world to do whatever you want to do. I can go where I want to go. I can do, I can make all the money I want to make. But when you really are older and your back is sore and then you are swelled, you are swollen up and then, you know, the money almost means nothing because the money won't come around you to circle around you when you're in hospital. You know, I, I was I was at uh, at the hospital to see my friend one time, and I saw this uh, this man across from me at a ward across from me, and the man was surrounded by his family, his wife and children. Right now, it was amazing to me because. He was surrounded by his wife and children. I did, I did, I didn't see his car there surrounding him. I didn't yeah. see his bank account surrounding him. I didn't see his houses surrounding him. I didn't see all the accolades that he had achieved. All, all three lives surrounding him. At the end of the day, we we celebrate isolation. I'm my own man. I'm my own man. But people who dwell in community live longer. People who dwell in community live healthier lives. They are better in person that people who are lonely, isolated, and all that kind of stuff. And that's what we often are portraying right now. Strong people who are by themselves. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't submit to anybody. And we just keep on replicating all kinds of, you know, hurtful people back and forth. So so I get what the argument is. They are trying to say by the idea of equality. But what they are not saying is that they are simply projecting uh, uh, projecting how they feel um, in what, what psychologists would call denial <clears throat> or sublimation. You know, this is the first self-defense mechanism where you just, instead of you accepting the reality and dealing with it, you just simply um, project it in a different kind of way. <clears throat> so it's, it's unhealthy. It's, it's brutally unhealthy. It's something that should not be encouraged. Of course, I'm not saying you cannot, you shouldn't get off toxic environments and all that. But I'm saying that fundamentally, we need each other. We need to actually understand that our rules do not make us any less sober, but rather for the functioning and the stirring of the course of the family, or for us to actually coexist and do better. We must recognize our roles 
and stick to them and do them incredibly well. And that's how to get there. You know. Right. And when you talked about people and toxic relationships, I remember that for a lot of people, the reason why the patriarchy or the reason why men in general have been labeled as so terrible is because of the things people have been through. So yes, there were times when women were so confined that they didn't have a say in anything. And, you know, as a lady, you were basically, you, you basically moved from being a property of your father to being a property of your husband. And you had really no say in all of that. And those, those were rules that in general didn't favor women because it's like, if something were to happen, they didn't have a say in how their, the rest of their lives would go. And for, and for a woman who happened to fall into the hands of a, of a terrible man, as a husband or as a father, her life was basically done for. And that's what people fought against, for that freedom for women to choose how their lives would go. Now, we're at a place where women in general do have that freedom, but the narrative that has been sold about men is still persisting. I mean, women then who had great fathers and who had loving husbands didn't really complain much about this because, you know, they hadn't been exposed to the woes of those women who we're living miserable lives and but what we see today is people in general assume that you know if you were to submit to the leadership of a man in the home and say okay yeah i trust your judgment then that's like oh you're crucifying yourself you're giving up yourself i don't think it's it's a it's a wise thing for a woman to put herself in a position where from the start of her life okay she just she's just waiting around like okay i'm just waiting around for someone to marry me and just you know take care of me my whole life i mean even in today's world with the labor market it's not a wise choice because previously what the salary that a man earned like one person earned used to be sufficient to take care of the the whole family you know take care of your wife take care of your kids buy a house but now with just the salary from a single person unless it's a really really high paying job it's going to be difficult to get all these necessities which is one of the impacts of you know women coming fully into the workforce because now labor is we're paying less for labor you know if you have the workforce people are going to have to pay more because labor is going to be more valuable but with all with so many women in the workforce now it's like it's more difficult to get a job and it's um and you know it's it's more difficult to get a high paying job as well nothing against women being in the workforce i'm just clearly stating the impacts of where we've come to so far and something people should be aware of and then i also wanted to talk about how people see men so how people see just women as the victims of everything that has happened so far you know i mentioned that we would talk about why you think the patriarchy lasted so long and you talked about wars you know people forget that at that time men were the ones who went to war and so uh yes they had a, they had a lot of the voting rights they had a lot of this uh they had the major say in, in a lot of things but that was because they were the ones who did most of the tasking jobs you know like even till now although people say we want equality i'm like not really <laughs> because if you go to construction sites you don't see a lot of women and nobody is saying oh we want more women on construction sites because people realize that a lot of these jobs are really men's jobs. We don't have the same physical strength. And no, I'm not competing to have the same physical strength. When I was little, I used to compete a lot with my brothers. Like, 
when they used to work out, especially my immediate younger brother, when he would be working out, I would, you know, pick up something heavier and try to meet up with that strength level. I mean, it worked for some time, but after a while, you know, you just realize, okay, the strength is not the same. It's not the same at all. And you can, there's, if you have a good life, if you have a great father, a great loving father, a great family, you're also married to a loving husband. There is no need for you to try to do all the things a man can do. So this is just a response to women. This is a response from a lot of women who have been hurt, you know, and then they raise their daughter saying, okay, don't depend on the man. You should be strong. You should be independent. You should be able to do everything on your own and all of that. And I, I've also seen that in my home. My, my mom is kind of masculine in nature not completely but she's a very very strong-headed woman and that's because you know she grew up uh, uh lost her father at some point and you know didn't also have her her mom around her all the time and she had to be strong for herself and she she did amazing with you know she did an amazing job with the cards that life dealt to her but i can also see how that experience has impacted you know her, her psychology of life and how independent you should be so for a long time and probably even still even till now i'm just mostly i have that mindset of okay you need to work hard on your own but i'm also learning more to depend on other people as well you know just understand that people can help you and you know that's fine it's a part of life so the part that you mentioned about community that's a great point that's a great point um can i just point out this thing from the book i'm just gonna try to find it i think it was so, a, qu a quote from hillary clinton hillary clinton said something about okay yeah so about men and women and highlighting women as the victims of war i found it really funny so i'm just gonna start from your your quote and then go to to hillary clinton so you said the world we live in yeah is ruthless towards men, intolerant of their weaknesses, and turns a blind eye to when he cries for help. Hillary Clinton once said in the First Ladies' Conference for Domestic Violence in El Salvador, held in 1998. That's when I was born. That's too long time ago. So she says, Women have always been the primary victims of war. Women lose their husbands, their fathers, their sons in combat. Malcolm Turnbull, the Prime Minister of Australia, said, women are disproportionately the victims of war. And I was like, okay, they lose their sons. They lose their to me, like, <laughs> I mean, like, okay, so the people who died, aren't they victims as well? <laughs> so, They're not victims. I mean, it's, really, it's really funny. I get that. Yes, at the end of a war, you have women who are fatherless, who are without their sons. In fact, I've watched so many movies about this and it's very heart-wrenching to see. But you should also share some sympathy for those who give their lives to protect their families at the front lines and yeah i didn't feel that that was communicated at all in this quote so why do you think we've gotten to that point where there is such what's, little... what's, what's funny to me about yeah. that quote was that well that the fact that you know uh this the, the word that actually got me though the word primary primary victims uh it would have said if i said it was women are victims Oh, I, uh, we understand that, but the fact that it was primary in a way trivialized the sacrifice that we, that was being you know done. Like when people tell about equality and all that, I I'm not you know definitely do something you can you should be paid what you're worth. I mostly 
a lot of time the argument is always from the place of convenience. Like when he, when we, when we have convenient jobs, like yes, like, yes, director or whatever. But when what about the uncomfortable jobs? Like for instance, uh, the man who who takes care of the sewage, who has to plan a hole to you know fix the light, and you know men who, who expose themselves to um, hazards like radioactivity and all that kind like of stuff. Like miners, so, for example. Uh, so I'm like. I'm like, so what's what about equality in that area as well? So it's always a selective equality when it's convenient, you know. And um, and I'll, I'll also give, because to be honest, I'm not turning a blind eye to the fact that women are treated unfairly when it comes to the workplace. Their agenda is a problem. Um, they are not, but that's not always the, bias, the only bias there is. Because people often, you know, would, would take this narrative and then when they are not let's say you, you are given an opportunity not feel because you're a woman, that's why that, that is happening. But at least I always say every single human being has a bias. We all have biases. I have a bias. You have bias. There are certain people group you may not want for certain things to be done. Right? Uh, no matter how we see it, the certain demographics you may not necessarily want. And so if I have a company and then that company is a private entity, I, I fund it with my money, <laughs> with I make the sacrifice for it. There are certain things I would want in there. And of course, it's unfair of me to say, you know, well, I don't want a woman here or I don't want a woman over there. So, but if as a person who comes to work in that organization or that entity, you you didn't build that organization, you know, you, you're, you're coming to be part of it, right? And if they are saying they don't want you in this place, just, you know, go where you'll be needed. You know, go where you're celebrated, or not where you're tolerated. You know, the idea of of saying that of saying that I don't have what I want because I'm a woman makes makes in a way that excuse actually often makes women feel like victim, and which is not right. Mm. I shouldn't have to have my daughter feel like a victim. She should feel like she's powerful enough to do whatever she wants to do, and you know, to take responsibility for her own self is empowering to know that I can take responsibility for myself. And not have to excuse or to feel like <clears throat> because you don't give me an opportunity at this at the table, that's why I don't have. That's why I don't have a seat. No, if I don't have uh, a set table, I'll bring my own chair. <laughs> I'll create my own table. I sit on it. Right. That's one thing. So it's that balance of realizing that you know I call I call this self-imposed victimization a lot of times for some a lot of people who do not really understand narrative. And, you know so. I feel like yes, let's 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 get a conversation. If you want to equality, let's have equality across all boards. If you don't, let's have equal amount of women also in hazardous uh, jobs as well as men. If that's but 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 again, it's it's it's, it's not even meant to be a conversation at all. It's meant yeah. to be that we have a complementary relationship. Women are powerful. Women are beautiful. Women are wonderful. You are great mm-hmm. at your role. You are only the best when it, when you are yourself, your best. And I think it's insulting. To want to make women like men, because you know it's 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 degenerating, it's it's degrading to have a woman have to um, 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 relieve herself of who she is to try to be something she's not, just to um, appear strong and all that kind of stuff. You are great when you are yourself, and you are the, at your best when you are your real self. You know. And that's what we need to rather communicate of saying, you know what, you have to be this and that. <laughs> and so I just thought about chipping that in. In the Yes, and I, I 
I think this idea of wanting to make women and men equal on every front is also facilitated by the opinion that everything that has happened so far has happened as a result of the manipulation of the patriarchy. For example, people like to assume that the only reason why there are so few women in certain roles is because the men wanted it that way. And so if we mandate a 50-50 hiring rate across all roles, then we will see that we're going to get the best results possible. And that's absolutely not true. I was at a conference where we, where the participants had a debate and they were like, you know, should we have 50-50 employment rate? Should it be mandated by the government? And I said, I don't think the government has any business doing that. If for some, for some time you decided, okay, because we've seen that this has been the case, then we think all companies should at least have maybe 10 to 20%, like all maybe major companies in these fields should at least have maybe 10 to 20% women involvement so we can make sure that that women are not being left out. That's kind of understandable because we know that we're coming from a place where women have not been included so much. And maybe you're trying to avoid some kind of bias from companies. But still, to to get it up to 50-50 and say that that is absolutely mandatory, I think you're going to just bring more harm than good. Let's take the role of nurses, for example. Nursing is disproportionately a female role. And why is that? That's because more women have um, agreeable personalities. It doesn't mean that there aren't agreeable men. There are a lot of agreeable men, but there are far more agreeable women than there are agreeable men. And that ability for compassion is more present in women. And it is not a social construct. And, you know, people argue so much that this uh, compassion that comes with women is just a social construct. But then research shows that in more egalitarian societies, you actually have more women tending towards those traditionally feminine roles and more men uh, tending towards those traditionally masculine roles. And that's because now that they've been given the freedom to choose what they want, you actually find more people tending towards these things that we felt were only a product of bias. So what does that prove? That proves that it's not just a social construct. There are things in us that make us tend towards, you know, some kind of roles. It doesn't mean that females should not be engineers. It just means you shouldn't decide, okay, if the if the line isn't exactly at 50-50, then it means that the patriarchy is up to something and, you know, we should fight for it. So, yeah, that's just that's just the idea I had about that. I don't know if you also have any anything to add to that. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's so true, it's so true. When, when we, um, you know, if you leave people to themselves, they would often, even in school, right, when it comes to school, like nobody tells women what courses to go for. Nobody tells men what courses to go for, but you, you always realize that um, engineering courses often have more men than women. And, uh, you know, then more humanistic courses like, you know, maybe um, uh, psychology, HR, and those more <clears throat> relational social uh, courses have more women there because, and nobody actually says it's like only women should be here. Not, not, not because, because there's something about a woman that nurtures, that's, that's all about, you know, that endearment and that's that's something that the world really needs that level of nurturing that care that compassion that kindness that generosity that we often do not see and that's why mothers you know that's what mothers give to children naturally you know a mother is endearing she's kind she's you know she all that and that's women naturally have that men often have to be taught to be 
compassionate. We have to be taught to, to have the balance because we are, we are exposed to, at first, we, we as fundamentally as men, we are, we are competitive. One know who can outbeat the other, outdo the other. And that's what strengthens us to uh, be, to defend what, what what's our own and to defend the family. You know, I put it in the book that um, prior to now, many years ago, men were mostly hunters and women were, they were the ones to make um, something out of what men hunted. Like when a man go out, when a man would go out there to hunt for game, like you know, hunt, hunt for animals, and you know, he would bring it home for the man to cook, and all of that kind of stuff. So he had to exercise his ability and prowess to make sure he goes and gets the kill, so his father, his family can have something to eat. So if he doesn't fulfill that role, she can't fulfill her role. So you see how complementary our relationship really has become. So. But people right now are now trying to force the narrative that women should now switch roles and then, you know, be more masculine and be all of that. They are trying to, you know, they, they say that women were taught that, how, but now they're not trying to <laughs> teach women how to, you know, be here. And I feel, I feel it's insulting for a woman to, to um, be told, you know, that she has to relinquish her, her natural, um, um, her natural disposition to be kind, to be, you know, to be compassionate and all, all that kind of stuff, just so she can appear strong. And we often would interpret strength as, you know, being more aggressive, being more whatever. That's not strength. <clears throat> strength is simply the ability to be yourself amidst precarious oppositions or, you know, uh, circumstances that try to force you to not be that. If you see someone, I, I heard this, uh, um, this, story told by Sarita Jakes, that's T.D. Jakes' uh, wife. She was she was having an argument with him one time. You know, she doesn't really talk that much. She, she's very calm. So he was, you know, he's the talker. He was like, you, you know, he was talking, he was talking at her and then she was like, you're not going to talk to me like that. So she now walked out and got into the car. I was about to drive off. Then he now came out and said, are you going to, you're not going to take my car and get away from here. You're not going to, she was, you know, going up and down. And then she just came out of the car, took the key, you know, turned the car, then walked, just walked. You know how she was very majestically walked into the house and sat down and said, Thomas, do whatever you want to do. So she was very calm. Her calmness, in a way, demonstrated strength. And that made him to now realize, oh, okay, <laughs> I need to get this right. So it's not always aggressiveness that straight strength sometimes that ability to just you know to be calm is also is is an incredible level of strength so i think women should you know if you are anything other than yourselves you are you are not yourself anymore and that that defeats the whole aim of being who god actually called you to be so you know so i i think you know the whole the whole narrative from you know the, the what we call it the Petrachia and all of that. People actually had, to be honest, people actually had happier lives. If I were going to look at the reality of things, people were more, people were happy. So, with all of our all of our education, all of our aggressiveness, we still are lonely. We still have the, the highest level of suicidal cases in our time, the highest level of, uh, of vices and crime and all kinds of stuff with all of our education, all of our exposure, with all of our stuff. Because we are trying to go, trying to, we're, we're switching roles. And in so doing, we're not, we're not, if, if things are out of place, it sounds chaos all the time. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not for the night. Everybody has to be married as you have to marry a woman to be a woman. No, you are a woman, you're a woman first before any, any role you take on. Whether you are a 
wife or your daughter or whatever. You are not defined by these things, right? You are fundamentally an individual, a person of worth, right? If you decide to be married, that's that's your decision to make. If you decide not to be married, it's also good and fine. <clears throat> so being attached to someone does not make you a person. You are a person first before anything else that you choose to do. So um, that out of the way. But if you now do decide to be that, it's important that you realize that it's only in playing a role that we are that we're able to be affected. You know, so whether you choose to be married or not doesn't doesn't change your your value worth as, as an individual. Uh, but however, if we must submit ourselves to our entity, we must be able to, you know, play according to the role to treat our, our individual uh, uh, responsibilities, basically. Okay. So this whole narrative, this whole thing that we are just turning up and down, we're trying to. In a way, we walk. <laughs> we we call the rather our definition of being woke is actually we're actually being slightly sleepy and <laughs> and not being effective. <laughs> so it's not yeah. working. And also, I don't think we've even we haven't done this long enough to have comprehensive data on how this is going to go. I know everyone likes to pretend. Not everyone. Well, we might like to to pretend like we know that definitely with more women than men in a lot of roles because people have been like all oh, the wars that happened happened because we had men in power and if it were women it wouldn't be like that and i'm like ah well if you ask individual women they don't even a lot of women don't even trust themselves like there's so many fights that go on between women and i'm like if you were in power let's say you were in power and this other person was in power i think you know everything would have burned to ashes by now i'm not saying that women can't be in power i'm just saying that even when you bring it down to the smallest unit of of um the, the smallest human unit that's like you know individual to individual relationships we see less of the of this friction between men than we do between women so i think it's very illogical to assume that if you replace all the men with women then suddenly everything would be you know perfectly aligned and um now talking about men there's this there's this thing you, you said in the book where people are confused about what it means to be a good man versus what it means to be a real man. So if you ask someone, what does it mean to be a good man? People mention traits like, you know, being kind, being responsible and all of these things. And then when you ask what it means to be a real man, people are like, you know, strong, aggressive. So that like caught to me, I think has left a lot of men confused, especially today when it seems like all the masculine traits are suddenly seen as toxic masculinity so you try to be you know to show that you are strong and can help someone out and they feel like you're trying to put them down because you're you're exhibiting toxic masculinity and then when you act so calm compassionate or even feminine people feel that that should be celebrated because you are breaking the narrative and then when a woman asks you know, act masculine. People feel that that should be celebrated because she's breaking the narrative. And what this is doing is leave, is leaving both girls and boys confused because now it, it's it's almost the same for a majority, and it still remains a majority for a majority of people. Being themselves is is now suddenly somewhat toxic. And you know, uh, so, so let's start with men, or let's just focus on men. What does it mean to be a good man and a real man, in your opinion? Yeah, I, well, I think they, they are both the same thing. They are really both the same thing. Um, we all, you know, a professor actually made that ex made that experiment. Just asked that question in class. What does it mean to be a good man? We're saying, 
you know, must be kind, responsible, and you know, compassionate, all that kind of stuff. And then when he said, um, another column you asked, what does it mean to be a real man? And then, like you mentioned, talk about being strong, aggressive, all that kind of stuff. So um, we we came up with the idea of toxic masculinity. I often ask the question, what makes masculinity toxic? You know, and then, you know, there's now a, there's now a, move, a movement to you know a feminization of men. They call it the uh, feminization of men, making men more you know compassionate, more kind, and more loving, and all that kind of stuff. But literally teaching men to do those things, and, and they have the thing is they have they have the right idea, but they just don't don't have the right strategy. Um, and they often you would think that that's what it means to be a man, to be, you know all those things. Now. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not putting out the importance of kindness and love and care, compassion, all that kind of stuff. Those are really wonderful traits uh, for any man to possess. However, it must be balanced with the the trait of mental strength, physical and mental strength. It's important for a man to be strong to be able to defend his territory, because one of the the issues we're having in the world today. Is as the result of the lack of masculinity. Um, <clears throat> I call it active masculinity. We are celebrating passivity over activity, uh, our activeness. So things are happening around. I'm just let it slide. You know, people can come and you know uh, they step on your toes or they come and you know take over your country and then they, they push wrong narrative, push terrible narrative about your, like what's happening in the West right now. You know, children. Who are being indoctrinated into gender confusion and all that kind of stuff. And so certain social constructs are being amplified. People are just quiet. Like you see in movies, I mean the movie industry, movies right now they showcase fathers as very passive, just sitting around and saying nothing while the whole family is just going crazy. Wow. Fundamentally the big the main issue is the issue of men not stepping to the fore, men not taking active leadership responsibility so you know if there is no that it has to be that when there's a man in the house there is a level of of safety that the family feels that the wife the woman to children feel because there is a man in the house and so when we're raising men now to be to be you know very soft and don't they don't they don't you don't you don't stand up for anything you don't have anything you're standing for you don't have any system that you can defend with your life, you know, and so a lot of things just just go bad and go wild, you know. So men have to be strong. They have to teach boys to be strong, to go to be tough. Certain times they should, you know, teach them to actually stand up for themselves, stand up to the fore, and be able to air their opinions and you know challenge status quo, challenge ideas that, um, you know, we are conflicting with the right values and value system that should be and celebrated you know so like i said before vices persist in society when men become passive men when men so imagine that you know the wars that were fought and the men were they were not trained to you know to defend themselves or defend a country they would have just been taken over they would destroy the whole country because these men are not then there's no man out there to to defend and fight in the war that's what happens when it comes to everything else so if men are just tra- are just you know just deadly passive and you know feminized and don't ever 
get to be strong, it, it affects everything else. So, like that's so real. Being a real man and being a good man is the same. Mm-hmm. You have to be. You have to be a man. Just be a man. <laughs> being a man means you should be a good man, right? You should. You should stand up for what is right. You should. You should protect your family. You should defend your family. You should be there for those. I mean, be there for your family. Be a good person. You know, maintain sense of morality. Your value system should. Your standards should be higher. An individual, you know, you know, be, you know, discipline yourself because it really cannot lead yourself. It can't lead others. We have a lot of people who are, who are wanting, expecting subservience wanting to lead others, but they haven't led themselves. So you must lead yourself, take responsibility for yourself first. Then you now earn the rights to now want to take responsibility for anybody else. You know, so like you mentioned about, you know, this night that's going on in the world today. Um, like I said, the fundamental thing is simply that uh, we don't have men stepping up to the fore anymore. Not really having men who are standing up for his rights anymore as we should, because they've been, quote, feminized. Yeah, to just yeah. be in the background and then not just do, not just take active role and responsibility and all that kind of stuff. So, if we we must be intentional about 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 training men to take put men in some tough situations so, so that their mental um, strength is rather is amplified, their emotional tenacity because we need that tenacity. What they call toxic masculinity is really what we really need in society today. <laughs> because I see, I see it all, all the time. <clears throat> a knife, a knife as an instrument is not bad. It's only how it is used that determines if it's bad or good. A knife in the kitchen is used for cutting onions, for cutting your tomatoes, and is used for cooking. But a knife in the hands of a murderer, you know, is an instrument of destruction. So the knife in itself is not bad. But what knife is used for? Determine if it's bad or good. So the same thing, the masculine trait in itself is not toxic, but it's only when it's dealt by an immature individual who has not had, who has is just struggling with sense of insecurity and then has to bring others down just so you can feel important. That is when it's toxic. But if it's that same trait is used in defending a country, let's say he did were to break into my house and I defend my myself and my, and my wife and my family. By bringing that guy down, maybe shooting his leg <laughs> or, or, or tying him up, right? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. But imagine if I was not strong enough to do that, then that would have been me exposing my whole family to all kinds of danger. So men actually need to be strong, uh, fundamentally. Yes. And um, sorry. When you talk about men being strong, and I, you, you know, I notice that there are two types of strength. And you know, when you ask people about what it means to be a good man, people, automatically uh you know talk about the mental strength when you ask some people what it means to be a real man they immediately think about the physical strength and both are very necessary but what happens what has happened is people are sort of demonizing the physical strength aspect of it but people let's say ladies internally still want to be around a man who is strong and around whom they can feel protected despite the narrative going going around and what that has led to is a large portion of women who fall prey to men who externally are strong you know they bear these qualities of of strength but they do they lack the character aspect and and so the 
good men or, you know, those ones who should have also trained themselves up to appear strong and appear that appear as having the ability to be responsible and take care of a woman, they have fallen prey to focusing more on just their maybe character, you know, trying to be nice. And I mean, and actually being too nice all the time is not necessarily a good thing because then you let people push you around. And if you're the head of a home and you let people push you around, that's going to lead to them also pushing your family around. So you need to also be firm. So women, when they see men who are firm, appear physically strong, sometimes they might assume that, yeah, this is a man I would want in my life. And then they get into that relationship and this man lacks the traits of kindness, care that should come with a father as well. And you see so many women being subject to abuse and you know that's how people say that you know bad guys always get the good girls <laughs> because these, these women are not able to differentiate between what appears to be the external ability to be protective uh, from the internal ability to actually care for someone be a father and be a good husband so it's just to, i'm just saying this to encourage men to not be afraid to appear strong not be afraid to appear as having the ability to protect a woman because you know, she actually needs that. Even if a woman might appear independent and and like she can take care of herself. Like I like to, for example, me, I like to be able to take care of myself and that's necessary, especially in this time and age. You have to be able to take care of yourself. But it doesn't mean that a woman does not need a man who can say, yeah, I can, I can do this for you and I can help you with that and I can help you with that. So you shouldn't be afraid to show yourself as strong and while also developing those other qualities like kindness, compassion, and, and all of that. So that way, I, you know, less women will fall prey to these sorts of guys. And even in the movie industry, you know, I think the movie industry has also played a role in, in pushing that idea. You see a lot of guys in the movies are displayed as, you know, mean, and they have all these weird traits and they're, they're mean to the female lead in quote at the beginning and then it's like after they fall in love they suddenly become nice and that doesn't happen in real life anyone who treats everyone in a terrible way it doesn't matter what, whether he gets married or falls in love any character trait that a man is not able to work on before he gets married he's not suddenly gonna change and become a nice heavenly human being after getting married and people might not realize that so I just hope that we can have more guys who are you know, out there, strong, responsible, and kind. So less women fall prey to the. You know, it is, uh, you know, bordering on that actually, um, a lot of a lot of times people like when you talked about some women who would go for the bad guys, uh, mainly because of that strength and protective aura about them. <clears throat> um, a lot of times, it's also a response to trauma as well. Uh, I've had mm. cases where, because I'm mostly a therapist by training, uh, I've had cases where a lady who was who suffered abuse as a child. You know, she was neglected by her father. She was, you know, not taken care of. She was often insulted all the time. Kept on degrading her, her person and all that. So when she grew older, she got attached to this guy who was abusive to her physically and emotionally as well. I think also sexually too. So, you know, they were always, you know, and then amidst all of that abuse, she was still, you know, I love him, I love him, I love him. Usually when I'm counseling people, I don't ever, I don't ever tell people to break up with that relationship. No matter how, how bad it is, I don't. Because I, I don't want a case where 
tomorrow, if I told you to break up and then you break up and then somehow you walked out later in life, you're like, oh, wait, you're an enemy of, of progress. <laughs> so, so I just stay out of it. I, I might just make pointers and show you what's, what's the reality of this journey is, what it, what can happen, but you have to make your own choice. But I had to tell her, break up from this guy. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> it's a village people pursuing you, break up from this guy. So, she now was able to, after a lot of, like, it was so bad that she literally would watch him have other women, you know. So, I miss all the health risk and all that. She was still like, but I love him, I love him, I love him. You know, I'm like, you need deliverance, laying on of ass. So, <laughs> but anyway, she was able to find the courage to actually break up from that relationship. So, she got attached to this other guy who was very nice. Like, he loved do anything she wanted, you know. He literally loved that so much. He could do anything. And then she would tell me, she's bored. You know, it's, yeah, it's too nice. a lot. Why, you, why is it too nice? You know, and then that kind of stuff. And I said, and a lot of times that was simply because, you know, that was just a response to trauma, right? She, she had become so exposed and used to an environment of abuse that that became her. Uh, um, natural expectation of life. Even I, so, I think I saw on divorce courts one time. You know that that program. There a couple. I think the lady was complaining that her husband is too kind. He cooks for her all the time. He takes good care of her, the family. That a lot of times she expects him to fight with her. I mean, she expects him to shout on her, but he's never shouted on her before. He's too. He's always very quiet when she's arguing with him. And then he's always very. And then, you know, he cooks for her, he cooks like four course meals for her. And then she's getting fat, that kind of stuff. Oh. And then, so I complain so that she's now getting fat from him. Whenever she tells him to make something for her, she it would just go all the way, all the way. So she was now angry about the whole thing. The, the judge had to say, woman, are you crazy? I mean, there are women who are just expecting their men to at least have a little bit of this, you know, and so, and a lot of times it leaves men confused because you don't know whether to be kind or whether to be aggressive. And then some men literally, uh, you know, put up a mask of strength, aggressiveness, just so they can appear strong. And then, ooh, any kind of woman they want to get. And so it's just a rigmarole of trauma. Hurt, hurt people, hurting people constantly. Just that cycle that is a never ending, never ending. Words. People actually need, people actually need therapy, to be honest. <laughs> they need to have their minds checked to see if what they are expecting or anticipating from the other person is should be what they should anticipate or is just their response to traumatic experiences from their childhood or happenings in their lives that needs to be worked on so they can actually just take some time off and then just heal heal when you heal I, that's, that's not a time to go out and start doing social media advice. You <laughs> tell you, if they don't want this, cut off. They don't want that, cut off. You know, that's often that's often a response to trauma or not being you. Just take some time off. Get off. Go heal. Take Go through therapy if you need to. You know, take some time off. When you're done and you know you're fully, full, fully in that right men, mental state to come back and ha- take care of it, you can come back fully. And then you have your your expectations refined so you are 
actually realistic and not just living in some rainbow somewhere, you know? Right. So I think we can talk a little bit about men and following their dreams. So even though today we talk a lot more about following your dreams and we have a more established sense of individuality as opposed to, you know, back then when everyone just had, you know, these sorts of, the sort of factory jobs and people were just expected to do the same thing. Now we have the idea of doing what you want and what you love. But even, even in a lot of, you know, first world countries, I think there are less men who follow their dreams. And I, in my opinion, it's because of the responsibility that's on them. So let's say, um, even even women as well, but I think it applies a, more to a lot of men because when they have families or even when from when they're little, you know, they're being told, okay, you need to be able to provide. Even if no one tells them, they can see that more women, you know, gravitate towards the guys who have successful careers and who are, in, you know, some sorts of roles and now they can feel that pressure to get established to present themselves in a way that women would want to accept them and you know for a lot of women even if you're in you don't men don't really place a value on you based on your job you get but for guys it's almost certain that women will look at what you do before they look at who you are like most women and how do you tell guys to balance that out how do they pursue what they want to do and still make sure that they are presenting themselves in a way that they'll be acceptable i don't know if those two things are always going to be possible but i just want to know your general opinion on that yeah it's a very it's a very valid question a very important question actually because um that's a very that's a, a big issue uh, how do you follow your dreams and also be accepted as well, Shelly, by most of what men do <clears throat> is react right to things. The reason men work as hard as we do is mainly for the women in our lives. Let's be honest about the whole thing. <clears throat> men go out there and hustle for money just so they can take care of women in their lives, to be honest. Uh, hardly do you see a man who takes care of himself as he should be. Uh, men had, in my time, wear the same clothes for a long time, <laughs> but it's the woman in his life is, you know, um, is being taken care of. Um, a lot of times, that's what, because that sense of caring for others makes us feel a sense of worth as a man. <clears throat> now, in terms of following your dreams, um, I, I put it this way. Um, what's, what's, the, what's the point to live and you may cannot, you really cannot uh, live for what you were created for? Um, you know, if we were, you were all meant to be here just to, you know, pursue, chase the bag, go after the Benjamin all our lives. And, you know, you get the money, you out of that, you get married and you get the money. <clears throat> and then one day you just die and then you go like that. That's, <laughs> that's, oh, it doesn't really mean so much. And I'm not saying you should not, you should not place importance on, on those things, on money and all of that kind of stuff. But really, you know, if someone, someone, someone put it this way, if all you have is money, then you are really poor. That's all you really have. You don't have not built relationships. You've not done anything significant with your life. So it takes courage to really um, follow your dreams. It takes a lot of courage to step out of the rat race. Um, one thing I heard that changed my life uh, was I was in a meeting with some older people. I talked to older people a lot. 
80 year old, 70 year old. That might happen to my friends. That my dad, my father's what happened to my friends. So we talk a lot. I often, they help me see the world. When a man has come to the end of his life, um, there are certain things that, that take, uh, that prioritizes. He begins to see that not everything is that important. And he begins to, his, his priorities are readjusted, really, when it comes to the end of his life. So I listen to them a lot because in a, in a way they give me perspectives of what I should prioritize really. So uh, one time it was I was asking them what what do you regret the most in your life? And this older man was like, um, he was like the, he doesn't regret the mistakes he made when he was younger. That's not what he regrets the most. What he regrets the most are the things he wish he did, but he never did. Mm. Maybe out of fear, out of uncertainty, out of you know the sense of what, what am I going to be able to provide for my family, that kind of thing. So, um, that, that really stuck with me. That stuck with me. I said, I had this, this, uh, discussion many years ago, right? That stuck with me until today. And so I'm always asking that question all the time. You know, um, what, what could I, what could I possibly do that I'm not doing right now? Um, you know, it can better, you know, doing what I'm doing, whatever. So, um, so it takes a lot of courage to really step out of that mix, to be faced with the reality of, of the fact that sometimes you have to pay a price, you know, make sacrifices, heavy sacrifices, um, and really go after something you really believe and dream, yeah. right? And just thinking what's normal, what's, you know, it takes a lot of courage for you to, to leave your job or to think about starting something that they probably never see anybody else do. Um, for some people, they and they they are not celebrating because they are doing something way out of the ordinary. But some people, you know, graduating from school is a big deal because they probably never saw anybody in their family graduate. Yes, uh, they probably never never had. And so, so some things, so some some things that they would celebrate, you feel like it's it's, it's insignificant, like you know. Um, Stepping out, going somewhere that you guys have, your family members have never gone, um, just because you see something that really draws you in that area. So, if you have a dream, you have a dream. It's gonna take. So it's gonna cost you. It's gonna cost you. Sometimes it's gonna make you feel feel weird. It's gonna make you feel like you are making the dumbest decision in your life. In fact, the road to fulfilling your dream is is marred with isolation, with doubt, with disbelief, with insecurities, with fear. With uncertainties, with um, sometimes lack, especially <laughs> in a country like Nigeria that doesn't really support dreams, <laughs> you would have to. It's going to take courage, but the reality is that it's going to it's going to be worth the while when you look back over your life and see the fact that there's going to be more fulfillment pursuing your, from pursuing your dream than sticking to something out of just safety and security. Now, I'm not saying it's just up and go quit your job. That doesn't make any sense um, as a person, you know. But you should you should be open to taking calculated risk yeah. because trust me, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's not going to be the fact that you were saved that matters, but the fact that you took uh, you know something happened to me in school. Uh, my first year in school, I had this before there was piggy vests and you know those guys. I had this incredible idea, you know, I wasn't, 
my first year in school, I, you know, I was like, I was going to help students save money, you know, because I noticed that 70% of the income that students had, their money was spent on things they did not need. So I was going to help them save. And so I came up with an idea. I call, I call it Save Max. That's Save the Max Maximum. And then the idea was that you're going to give me some part of your money. Maybe every every week you're going to give me like a thousand bucks to hold for you, to keep for you. And then the agreement was that the first six weeks, you will not ask for the money at all. Right? After the first six weeks, uh, you know, whatever, you know, if you're, if you're asking for your money, I'm going to give you a form to fill the 20 point. 20 page form and it's not a yes and no question it is essay question where you're going to write you know essays for me on to what you want to spend the money on and so the idea was that at least if you got to the third page you'd be like i don't need to spend that money yeah actually so it was to discourage you from spending your money and also going by the business model because i had a partner she was in lagos while i was in enugu so we had a joint account so that way um, there was no way either of us could spend the money without us coming to agreement. So it was to discourage students from spending money. And I helped my I helped my, my roommate save about seventy thousand there in the first semester that we were there. Because we do we do like a test run to see if it's gonna work. So the so word got out to the school that this was gonna start. And I already had spoken to banks already. I was gonna bring in incredible level of, you know, money to banks because I had about about seven thousand students in school. And and just by my networking, when I was going to get at least a thousand students on that on board, so it was going to be was going to be a phenomenal business. Only one thing stopped. I had customers already waiting to just get started. Like Paul, guess when I started? When I started. Only one thing stopped me from starting. Somebody just told me, Paul, you know, when it comes to money, it's quite risky. You probably might put yourself in harm's way, and things may go wrong. So. That fear of not wanting things to go wrong just made me just, you know, mm-hmm. I just stopped that dream. I didn't proceed. I had people calling me, what's happening? Paul, start, start. And nothing happened. I just quit. Now, after three years, three years after that, my final year of school, I was in an entrepreneurial pitch uh, deck. And then I saw this guy. People were pitching up their ideas. And then this guy walks up. I can remember what he wore. This was many years ago. I can remember the exact outfit he wore. His shirt was starched, very well starched, and he was literally flying like Superman. You could put your hand on, on that shirt and to cut your hair, you will bleed. That was how starched it was. And so he walked in there and then he pitched the exact same idea. Everything was the same the protocol, the process. The only, the only thing that changed was that I called mine Save Max. He called his own Save Best. And when I saw that, I screamed. I was like, yay! <laughs> that was, you know. So what I did not do, he went on ahead and, and did it. Since that day, I told myself. And, my, and it's still today. It's still my principle till, till today. If I have something I believe in to do, I will do it first, then think about it later. Because you can think yourself to the point of thinking yourself out of the idea. Yeah. You are over analytical. You just analyze, analyze, and you you will always find something wrong. So it takes boldness for a man to, because you would be better for it when you, it's better you pursue it and you fail. Then you have the you have that sense of fulfillment that at least you tried. 
than to have never tried at all. And then you just live with the regrets of what if, what if, what if, what if I just try. Sometimes you may have to just, it may cost you a little bit of, a little bit of, a little bit more time because, because you have your family to get up for. You may have to like have a conversation with your spouse, carry them along and tell them what you really are. You know, don't, a lot of time men, we of course, because we just want to protect our family. We just carry everything by ourselves and never involve our spouses or talk to them about what we're, what we're doing and why it's important for them to get it done. So I believe with the, with the woman you're with, she is for you. She is your partner. She's your friend. She's your sister. She's your wife. She's a part of you. So she wants to share in your life, share in your dreams. So don't just isolate your plans from her, but communi- you can communicate and communicate it better to her in a way it helps you to see it in perspective, also to be more accountable as well, to make wiser decisions when you can communicate to somebody else rather than you just doing by yourself. So I think, you know, sometimes um, it may have to, it might communicate and say, you know what, by doing this, it might mean certain amount of money I will have used for doing this, doing something regarding to the family. I mean, just take part of it and add to getting this thing done, you know. If you can communicate it well to her, she will understand well enough to want to even support you in making it in making it happen. It's only when you are married to the wrong person that your life is a disaster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if you're but if you're with the right person and uh, you both have made a decision to go through this journey of, of life together, and once in a while you pivot, you you know, you just turn a you know, trying to just go in a different direction and you communicate right, you definitely would go in that direction together. But when you don't, when you don't communicate right, then that then that, that now becomes you know an issue, and they have all kinds of glitches that go on. So yeah, so it's going to take you boldness. And like I said, you're not going to start up on something that you have. You no, know, when you're thinking about it, you're like, oh, this thing's going to change the world. I'm going to be billionaire. <laughs> it's going to be phenomenal. It's going to do all kinds of stuff. And you find that in the first couple of years, <laughs> you're still broke. <laughs> And stuff still happens that you know is not really consistent with what you had in mind. But it is the thing you must you must it's gonna it's gonna take tenacity, it's gonna take you not just giving up to push pull through. It's gonna cost you everything, to be honest. Your dream will cost you everything, it will cost you your personality sometimes, it's gonna cost you <laughs> but the thing is when you go through the process, you'll be built up, your character will be refined, grow. You, your mental strength, you'll be, you rather you exercise mental agility, you'll be strong mentally and emotionally. Your leadership capacity will be enhanced when you always will get better, mm-hmm. to be honest, than just settling with status quo and then giving up on it, to be honest. Yeah. So I tell men all the way, oh, go after it, go after it. What's the worst that can happen? You didn't work out. So what you learned, at least you tried, you know. So go after that. Yeah. I like the fact that you highlight the communication aspect because in the book you also talk about it and I know that a lot of men struggle with communication. And part of that is you don't want to bother your family. You don't want them to be worried. So it's like, okay, I'll just handle everything on my own. But it's also a form of disrespect to those who care about you. And you see a lot of a lot of men, men have the highest suicide rate and a lot of men end up committing suicide over things that probably could have been resolved 
or or whose impact could have been lessened if they had shared it with those that cared about them. And that was because they they bore the burden to the point that they could bear it no more. And then they decided that, okay, all that's left is to seek death. So if you have an understanding partner, if you married right and you decide, okay, we've walked this road for this long as a family. And at this point, this is what I want to do. I, I don't think there's anything that is beyond communication and so many men just go off and then they try things and then it fails. Like a woman just discovers that they've run into a depth of how many millions and she's like, when did all this happen? And it's like, okay, I didn't want to bother you. She's like, you didn't want to bother me. But now that the issue is here, the family has to deal with it together. So that understanding that the family is meant to, you know, a couple is meant to be one body and the family is meant to be one unit. They share both glory and fame and okay, I'm talking... <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I'm translating from Chinese right now in my head. Um, yeah, it's a popular Chinese saying, and right, I don't think it's going to make much sense in English if I keep saying it. So, I mean, they share both will and woe together. And, you know, whether it's joy, whether it's, it's sadness, a family will share all that together. And I think men need to be brought to the point where they can understand. If, you, if you're married, you need to seek out the kind of woman with whom you can share these things. And if you realize that you cannot share these things with the person you want to marry, then you need to rethink that you know that that marriage that that partnership because it really marriage is a partnership towards the kind of life that you want to live and a lot of a lot of people you know they seek out girlfriends you know they're seeking out a nice girlfriend and not really seeking out a wife a mother for their children a partner for their future and their their dreams which is really not a good thing absolutely absolutely i could not agree any better um, so I think we've been going for quite some time. This has been very, very uh, interesting. I've loved this conversation, but I, I want to give you the space to just share anything that you feel you maybe we left out that you, you want men to know or that you want women to know about men, whichever. And, you know, talk about what you do and how people can connect to you. Of course, I'm going to leave all your links in the description, but just in case there's something you want to really point out to those listening, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, so uh, one of the things I... I... Like for instance, this Saturday I'm having um I'm I'm speaking at a men's men's conference Saturday. Uh, one of the things I want to talk about is I'm challenging men actually to fight back. <laughs> and what I what I mean by that is this um you know men have to realize we're in a war. It's the war of the mind. You know, uh, there's many things going on that's that's wanting to take wanting our attention to the point where um, they are redefining what family should be or what um, life should be about, and these things require that we are, we are not just quiet, you know, and just letting things go. But we have to come to the point where we literally have to resolve in our hearts that we would be men of honor. <clears throat> you know, we would actually what we did not see our fathers, or we did not see previous generation, or we don't have the, the opportunity of we mentored, you know, to becoming. We have to stop giving excuses as to. Um, what you did not have, who wasn't there for you, who wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, did not raise you, who was, you know, who abandoned you. Yes, your father left you when you were little or wasn't around. And that's true. And you, the fact that you could see the effects of that abandonment in your own life should be a reason why you should decide and resolve that your child will not have that same experience. So your traumatic past should actually show the results to the right, uh, not the other way. 
And also, it's important for men to realize that you have to fight in this world. That when I say fight, I don't necessarily mean fist fight. I mean it's the war of your mind. Not to, to you know, everything is seeking your attention. Everything is seeking your attention. Media, social media, it's going crazy, <laughs> and everything right now is geared towards distracting the man and making men feel uh, in less than we ought to have to be. They would have to get their minds reconfigurated again. Uh, to seek help, to seek avenues of mentorship. You know, you don't know it. The fact that you are you are experiencing certain difficulties should make you seek help in this area. Yes. If you realize that, for instance, you're having an insatiable appetite for women uh, in a very unhealthy way, or you're needing validation in a way that is extreme and is out of order, should make you seek help in that area. So find men who are who are at the place at the points where you want to be and then humble yourself to say you know what i don't know this teach me i want you to teach me what it means to be a man what can i do about how do i handle this how do i handle my finances how do i handle this and that so seek to have to belong to a healthy community if you're a man you should be a, be a part of a church and around you have friends who can hold you accountable who can challenge you who can tell you the hard truth the difficult truths and don't just be the king of your own territory alone. You know, be accountable. Freedom without without restraint is bondage in disguise. You know, so it's important for you as a man to um, have certain level of strength because you are you are a whole powerhouse as a man. You have so much you can possibly do, and if you don't if you don't restrict yourself in certain areas. If you don't have self-imposed restrictions and limitations, you can become like this. The way uh, the way uh, electricity works, um, the whole voltage that's released that's released from the dam. If that voltage is released into a city, the way it is, it can burn the whole city up. But what makes that voltage, uh, that power, that power current? relevant in the center you can use that you can use it to charge your phone you can use it to light up your room and you know watch television all that it's because there's something called a transformer a transformer regulates that voltage and makes that whole power house usable it makes something that is destructive it makes it usable so that's something that would have blown up the whole city now becomes useful because there's something called a regulator a transformer so the same thing with a man a man needs a man is a whole powerhouse. He can do so many things. He can do, do so much. But he needs to have a self-imposed regulator to regulate his actions, to, to, uh, to be accountable for when it comes to his decisions, how he spends his own money, how he spends his time. You can say, oh, I'm my own man. I don't, I don't need anybody to tell me what to do. That's the problem. If you have nobody you can you submit to or have any principle you submit to, you become an endangerment to your own self. Your health is compromised. Your perspective to your family and whatever is in, is in shambles. You get drunk and nobody can tell you nothing. Your family, you know, it's it's going to be in a mess. So what we have right now are men, who, a lot of men who are, who are living by how they feel. And in living by how they feel, they, they make decisions based on their feelings or, how, or their moods. And that jeopardizes and they'll tell you, you know what i don't feel happy anyone's marriage that i want to go yeah I told you you have to you have to marry for your feelings you stay married because you made a decision to be married anybody that is successful you get married because 
they always feel happy all the time together. But the stats shows that the first 18 months of marriage, couples, they get to the point where they literally get irritated by each other. In fact, they hate the sight of each other after the first 18 months of marriage. So because there are three, there are three hormones in your body that makes you feel that sense of love and attraction. That's norepinephrine, serotonin, and then dopamine. So over the course of 18 months of being exposed to the same person, because prior to this time, probably we're dating by far. You're seeing each other once in a while, and then you see, and then you go, you see, and then you go. But now having to sleep in the, on the same bed, sleep in the same bed, wake up to each other, each other's a bad, bad smell, <laughs> and then see each other beyond the makeup and all that kind of stuff. After like by 18 months, you literally don't want to see each other at all. But what do you do to ensure that you keep keep it alive? You set up a structure, they call it structure of engagement, right? At first, you begin with passion. Then secondly, you set up a structure to protect your passion, that structure of what we, what we must do to each other every day, how we must communicate, how we must settle conflicts. So the same way, you must have a structure of engagement as, as, as an individual, as a man, of things you must do to help yourself grow, become a better person and all that kind of stuff. And also have 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 a community of accountability so you can report yourself to it and tell them what your personal struggles are. You know, let it be someone you look up to. You know, how can you be a man and you don't have someone you look up to? How are you gonna are you going to make it? <laughs> are you going to make it really if you don't have an accountability structure? So have that available and then, you know, be willing to fight. You're gonna go out every day in the morning and go to work and then just have to fight. <laughs> yeah. But it's important that, and women, it's important for women to also realize that men go through a whole lot that we don't talk about. Um, so getting men to really talk is important that you be his best friend. Uh, you know, he may not tell you a lot of things because uh, he's trying to protect you. Ladies, so listen beyond what a man says to so what he's not saying, you know, and then be there for him. You know, uh, don't, don't always, if you if you if you show yourself to always be nagging at little things that he does. That let's say he didn't, you know, come home early or some something around the house that he didn't do and all that. I'm not saying you should not hold him accountable, but sometimes when you create an avenue where he cannot rest his head, he he goes out and goes somewhere else to rest his head. You know, there's a story. There's a story about uh, the man called Samson and Delilah. I say I say it this way. Delilah did not make Samson fall because she was the most beautiful man in the world. No, that was not why. There was nothing in that story that made it seem like um, Delilah was, was you know, she had a voluptuous body that made that Samson could not resist. No. The reason Samson could fall because Delilah gave Samson a place to rest, to rest his head. If you notice, he was always sleeping when she, she was caressing his hair, trying to, you know, whatever. Men are literally, see, the best thing you can be to a man is to become a safe, safe space. He doesn't really care about your, you know, your beauty. That's, that's people, at least you miss it all the time. You think it's by changing your hair, changing your hair, doing the different makeup and all that kind of stuff. And that's what's going to make a man stay. Men don't even see it. <laughs> men don't even know you change your hair. If you change your hair and you're like, and then you now get upset that he did not see your, he did not tell you you're beautiful. He didn't even see your hair. He's, he has the man in so many other things. You're changing so many things. So those those things are okay. It makes you feel good, makes you wonderful, and that's beautiful. And you should be beautiful. But to be honest, men don't really see those things. But men, 
Let me let me put it this way. Men don't cheat because a woman, the other woman was more beautiful than, than his wife. And I don't I don't support cheating at all. I think it's irresponsible. Don't get me wrong. I'm not in any I'm just pointing pointing something out from study, right? Um I think cheating is horrible. Uh, any man that does that should be <laughs> should be ostracized, put in prison, jail, whatever, you know. But from personal from study actually it's shown that if you notice some of the men who cheat and the women that they cheat with are not even as beautiful as our wives. Do you notice? The wives are more beautiful than they are. So why do these men go? A lot of time because the woman outside gives them a place to rest rest their hair. While they come back home to a very nice atmosphere that just, you know, because they fight outside, then come back home to fight again at home again. Because she's not giving a place to rest his head. You know, so it's important that you among everything you can be to a man, be it safe place, be it where he can rest his head, be his peace. That peace and serenity. I'm not saying you should not be yourself, but you know, let him feel like this is home. This is where I can come to when I've exhausted and depleted all my energy outside. I want to come here to be refreshed. You know, that that applies everywhere to your brother, to your dad. Because a lot of times men are giving downward, but nothing comes upwards. Nothing is fed to them. And we think by giving a man to that, that's okay. A lot of times a man just needs encouragement. He needs to be told that he's he's a great man. Use your your mouth, right? Wield it right. You you can there's a like to just would say there's a king in every kid and there's a kid in every king. So whenever you use your mouth rightly, you can actually feed the king in him. And so I'm amazed what they would do. Mm-hmm. Right? But if you use your mouth wrongly, you only feed the kid in him. And then he just begins to react some kind of way. So you have an important and powerful instrument, women, and that is your mouth. Use it rightly. Whatever you want to see in your man, feed him with it. I'm, I'm not saying you should nag him that say you're such a useless man. No, no, no. Let him know he's a king. Let him know he's great. Let him know, you know, he's you he's he's seen. You see him. You see him and what he's doing, you appreciate him of it. You see and you applaud him for what he's he has become. And even though he's not there yet, but it's gonna get there. He's on his way. When you do that, trust me, the man would he would trust you with his life. Um, men don't men don't um, talk to their spouses or the people that they're closest to because they're not so sure about how they react. Um, <clears throat> um, they can't really trust how they respond emotionally to it. Um, so, so you have to let him know that you are the shoulder he can lean on, you are, that he's safe with you. And you have to use your mouth to say this thing, let him know that you are his best friend, you are the shoulder he can lean on. Um, he might act like he doesn't need it, but trust me, he thinks about it. Yeah. You know, he, he goes back to the room and then he just, he just thinks that word means the world to him. Mm-hmm. So men just want, just want to feel safe. Just want, they don't need your money, they don't care about your money or whatever, you know, whatever you're earning, not that issue. People say um, men are, intimidated by successful women. That's not the truth. No. no. Men just don't like to feel helpless. Don't like to feel like they are not needed. So when a woman is successful and then she meets all her needs and then doesn't create a need for him to meet, it feels useless. It feels, so what am I doing here? So that's why he might say, you know what, quit your job, whatever. It's not because he really wants any of that. 
because he wants to feel seen, he wants to feel um, needed and important. So, so you should create that avenue, you know, where he feels important. Let him know, and that's it's not really about your spouse alone, but also your brothers as well. You know, your nephews, your uncles. Let affirm their word. Let them know that they are great men, and you know they are going somewhere. And when you do that, it will amaze you how 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 much they will confide in. To be honest. Awesome. Thank you so much, Paul. This has been a great conversation. Um, lastly, you can just talk about you know the your materials. So there's your book, and then talk about the other avenues or platforms you have to reach out to men and how people can find you. All right. So uh, I have an avenue called Heroes. Uh, Heroes is uh, at Heroes See, then Heroes Connect. Um, there's Heroes See that's what happens to Covenant University every single year. Um, it's about we have about uh, at the last count, we have reached out about um, 2,000 or something has gone have gone through our program. You know, so we have done that over time. And then I have an avenue called Glow. Uh, that, that's, that's actually an avenue for women that I, I came up with um, to talk about, to respond to certain questions that women have not, quite, have, have not been, have not been responded to. And so um, then I also go out like this week. I'm having um, a negative man where they, they, the title, they, they think it's Be the Light. It's on Godly Men's Ministry International. So I go on those speaking tours around schools as well. Uh, I've gone to now university many times. It also to base in West Ham. So um, that's available. So um, so the thing called my, my film that I'm, I'm very, and that I've actually been working on, I've actually not, I also do podcasts as well on um, the, the renewed. Um, be with the renewed, the, no, sorry, the redeemed myself and Mecca um, Ezra. So I, I go on that. I haven't started my podcast yet because of so many factors. I'm not ready for it yet because I'm actually so busy <laughs> with my filming. But uh, that, that, that that's actually works as well. So um, I'm on social media. Uh, I'm terrible on social media, but I try my best <laughs> to be there. So it can be reached then through there. And also my therapy practice as well on wholeness consulting. Um, I also, uh, um, I, I don't, I, I don't, I've never advertised before, but I always, I got, it's always a lot. I have so many that come in on a referral and all that kind of stuff. So through telephonic conversation as well as physical meeting meets and then virtual sessions as well. So clients that actually need some level of help in one way or the other, uh, mentally and otherwise. So yeah, it's all on. Okay. So Thanks a lot again. And thank you guys for listening. If you've listened up to this point, I, I'm sure that you've learned something because, you know, Paul has dropped so many wisdom points here. And um, I hope that you can find it applicable in your life. And no matter what point you're at right now, maybe already married or, you know, so many years have gone by in your life, it's never too late to start walking in the right direction. So don't feel discouraged. And if you're Hearing this really early on in life, then, you know, even better for you, you can start making changes to your life early. So I will see you all in the next podcast episode. If you want to get notifications about what's happening with my music podcast or, you know, just get some free tips for, for a living from me, you can you know sign up to my newsletter in the description. Check out all of Paul's avenues and reach out to him if you if you can and if you want to. And till next time, I hope you all stay happy and stay healthy. Have a wonderful time ahead. Bye.